Welcome, everyone. We'll begin, as always, with our sitting. So if you will uh, prepare yourself, both your posture and your intention or attitude for being um, attentive in the way we are in Zazen for the next uh, five minutes. And we'll share this time together. Our shared chant, vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction, wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Vast is the robe of liberation, a formless field of benefaction. Wearing the universal teaching, I realize the one true nature, thus harmonizing all being. Welcome again. We're going to pause just for a second, and I'm going to invite uh, Jessica to join me for a moment and to uh, offer what I would consider, uh, hi Jessica, our sort of once a quarter reminder about certain things about the webinar function. It just helps us remember some things that uh, might slip away, and, and partly because I will show some images today and uh, remembering about side-by-side -side mode helps you see the full image if you want to keep the little thumbnail of me as well. So she'll tell you about that. Thank you, Flint. Uh, so I just have this little quick presentation to walk us through. So I'm going to share my screen with you really quickly. And this will just be just very brief. Um, so just a couple things to know about webinar. And if, if you're new to webinar, this can be really helpful for you. So you'll be viewing uh, as an attendee. You won't be seen or heard on webinar at all unless you want to be. 
So your camera is not on and your microphone is not on. But you will have the option to use side-by-side -side viewing um, because when Flint shares his screen, which you might be seeing with what I'm doing right now, you have the option of seeing the little picture and what he's sharing. So I'll tell you a little bit more about what that means. Next slide. So once Flint begins sharing his screen, you go to the way to do side by side viewing is go to the very top of your screen. And you'll see, like you probably see right now, you're viewing Jessica Steinbrenner's screen or you're viewing Appomattox's screen. Right next to that is this view options, and there's a little carrot. You click that carrot and go all the way down to the bottom, and there's an option to view in side-by-side -side mode. And that's the way to get the pictures uh, together. And so once you do that, and this is what you'll see. So you see how Flint is really small, and then his, his shared screen is big. You can change the size of that. There's a little tiny bar right there that you just grab and pull towards the left and you can enlarge the image however you like. And so this is how I usually like to view it with Flint nice and big. One other thing just to remind ourselves of, so there are periods of inquiry here. You can click the raise your hand button to get in queue to speak with Flint. And if there's time, I'll send you a chat to let you know that you're next in queue so you can prepare, you know, fix your hair. And then when it's your turn, you'll be promoted uh, to talk with Flint. And at that point, you'll be asked to share your camera and go ahead and unmute your microphone to begin. And if you have headphones, that's really helpful because sometimes there's an echo. So this is what those look like. Raise your hand. If you accidentally click it, it'll turn green. So then you can click it to lower your hand. And then this is what it looks like if you receive a chat. Um, and just a little reminder that the chats are reserved right now for the moderator primarily because the panelists um, do get a chat every time. So um, the chat's more of a way for me to speak to you, but um, please do feel free to raise your hand and come up to um, the seat. And then also afterwards, because so many of us want to get together and be able to just share a moment or a thought uh, we've decided to create a small um, gathering time for 30 minutes after inquiry, which we're calling aptly after inquiry. <laughs> so feel free to join us for that and just stop by for one minute or two and say hello or stay the whole time if you can. That's all from me. Thank you. I'll hand it back over to Flint now. Thanks, Jessica. Um, what she's speaking about, of course, are um, specific to um, a laptop or a full-size computer, sometimes on an iPad. If you're using an iPad or a phone, the arrangement might be a little bit different. Uh, but this will uh, be uh, helpful, I think. And it's nice to have a reminder. Some people maybe haven't heard it before or uh, you kind of forget. And so we just thought it would be good um, to have a reminder. It's just like having a reminder about forms in the Zendo sometimes. Uh, it helps us uh, uh, make things work very smoothly. As you know, over the last month or so, I've been reviewing these small verses and chants that we use in our services. 
at Appamata. And I, I was reviewing things and I, I realized that one of them, the verse of the Han, the verse that goes on the, the Han that calls us to practice, <clears throat> excuse me, I've always had in the sequence, and in fact, I have it first because it's with the striking of the Han, uh, that verse is sent out wordlessly. Uh, in the beginning, it is the call to practice. But I also realized I haven't really spoken about it very much. And it's not something we chant because it's not chanted. Uh, the, if you want to call it a chant, the, the chant sounds something like this. And there are roll downs that call us to sitting. And if some of you have been in a temple or zendo, you will have heard those sounds, a, a large, a, kind of a sharp report from the mallet striking the, the wooden han. So I would like to, um, to spend a little time with it today. The, you might remember the verse. I'll, I'll show it to you again in a, in a moment. But um, the translation that I'm most familiar with, um, with one small uh, addition or, or change, great is the matter of birth and death. All is impermanent, quickly passing, awake, Awake, don't waste this life. Having used it in several uh, teaching settings, I especially got a little uh, concern um, in the UK when some folks were saying, when I hear don't waste this life, it translates as get busy, which is, of course, not, not what we were hoping. Uh, and so I inserted um, a line that you'll see on the Han that I'm going to show you in a minute, uh, the word precious. So I'll say, don't waste this precious life. And suddenly the, the meaning turns back toward, I think, what's intended um, when we're encouraged to wake up, realize the impermanence of everything, and stay intimate with the great matter of birth and death. So what is the... The great matter, that's a term that's used in Zen to talk about what it means to actually live a human life. We practice to penetrate, to somehow understand, to appreciate, mainly to appreciate our life, which is this great matter of birth and death. And I must say that most of the people with whom I speak about this and when I'm teaching, it's as if they hear it this way. Great is the matter of death. They speak about that being the riveting feature, the, the call, the great concern. But it's the great matter of birth and death. The whole cycle of life. What is the great matter within this cycle? You know, we have the inso that is sometimes shown in Zen, the, the, the the, the sometimes rough, the broken, the beautiful, exquisite circle, which has both form and openness in it. This is the great matter of the fact that, the, the amazing and miraculous fact that we're actually born, and that we die, and that as we penetrate the great matter, we realize in some ways birth and death aren't these beginnings and endings, they aren't these separate things, they're 
names we place and little signifiers we impose on the wholeness of this great matter. All is impermanent, quickly passing. We certainly understand impermanence. It's not difficult at all that everything changes, including this great matter of coming and going or birth and death. It's the emphasis last week of coming and going, coming in faith we are Buddha. We enter Buddha's way, going. We live like a cloud in an endless sky, like a lotus in muddy water, one with the pure mind of Buddha. There was an old Tibetan teacher who was one of the first wave of teachers who had come to the West to teach. And someone asked him, now that you've been in the West for a while, what do you notice about our culture? What stands out? And he said, the thing that stands out the most is how much you waste time. And he called it active laziness. He said in India, which where they were at that point, having gone into exile, and even in, in Tibet, we, ha we have this passive laziness down really well. We hang out, it's hot, you know, we'll do it later. Uh, he said, we, we understand that laziness, but you have a laziness which is active. You get so busy, you never take the time to turn toward the great matter, that which is most important. So in terms of one's spiritual life, you're actually lazy because you're too busy. See, the main thing is you waste time. So if we want to understand the great matter, what it means to live this life and appreciate it fully, and not simply a nod to impermanence, everything changes. It's an invitation to step into the flow. But how? And there's that line, awake, awake, with wakefulness. I think we enter a profound, almost unspeakable kind of gratitude and humility. Humility meaning we begin to soften the self-centered dream. And it's almost like we bow to life as it is. Sometimes horrified by what we meet, sometimes delighted, and everything in between, because it's, it's awesome, it's full of awe. And we feel grateful to have a life, even when there are times when it's difficult. This is the great matter. Awe in the face of the great grace of all things. I want to, um, to say I, I just got a note from some folks um, at the Ecumenical <clears throat> Buddhist Center in uh, Little Rock, where I've taught, as you know, uh, and one of the, the senior students there who had invited me originally, and uh, who, who's wonderful, probably she's on today, she mentioned that uh, they were um, calling together a group, and I hope it's okay to mention this, because I think it, it's, it's lovely, it, it's not, I'm not saying this because it's, it's an open group, it's a, it's a Sangha-related group, but um, it's uh, the older folks, <laughs> like me and others, 
who wanted to talk about um, how to plan what comes at the end. And uh, I think she said they, they made a title for this group called Writing, Writing the Last Chapter. And they were using something, A Beginner's Guide to the End, which I believe is something that anyone might, might be able to get as a book. And at that same time, one of our uh, wonderful um, Sangha members and, and one of our practice discussion groups brought up the same issue about sorting through things, but also photographs. And of course, as you know, photography is one of my uh, loves, and I'm uh, involved in a, a series right now in contemplative photography. And this is um, a quote that she offered her group uh, recently from the New York Times. It's, 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 it's not long. Here's the quotation. The neuroscientist and author David Engelman has written that we all die three deaths. And here's the quote. The first is when the body ceases to function. The second is when the body is consigned to the grave. The third is that moment, in the, sometime in the future, when your name is spoken for the last time. And then the author who is reflecting on these statements by Engelman, which are striking, I think, the body ceasing to function, our burial or cremation, and then this more sort of existential, phenomenological sense of our name being spoken for the last time. But the author said, I would say there's a fourth. A fourth. The moment the last remaining picture of you is seen for the final time. Those found photographs not only remind me of this delicate thing we run both toward and away from, time, which is the great matter, but they also hold something else, the humbling, steady truth that one day that's all will be, a photo. And now because of the cloud and Facebook and Instagram and hard drives, these photos aren't just snapshots we used to have on little pieces of paper. They go on in a, a way past when any, anyone can remember who that was. And so I want to just reflect on this uh, uh, a little bit further and in a personal way um, so that it is, is brought uh, very much close to home. I'm going to share my screen now. <clears throat> And we can take a look at the Han message. Great is the matter of birth and death. All is impermanent, quickly passing. Awake, awake, don't waste this precious life. And the image of the Han here in Molokai at Huihualana with the small inso in the middle where the, the striker would meet meet the Han, to offer the sound. What is the, the, the essence of this 
humility and gratitude, this great grace that we enter by not wasting our life, dedicating ourselves to awakening, entering the quickly passing flow of the great matter. And a, a poem which I have shared recently in another presentation, but I want to remind you of it, <clears throat> is Mary Oliver's Messenger. Uh, it's, it's fine just to notice the first line, my work is loving the world. That would be enough. My work is loving the world. That's my, my vow, my dedication, my day-to-day -day effort, my practice. And then she mentions things which were around her. There are different things maybe around you. There on Cape Cod, she at that time when she was writing, here are the sunflowers, there are the hummingbird, equal seekers of sweetness. Here are the quickening yeast, there are the blue plums, here are the clam, deep in the speckled sand. Are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I no longer young and still not half perfect? Let me keep my mind on what matters, which is my work, which is mostly standing still and learning to be astonished. The Phoebe, the Delphinium, the sheep in the pasture, and the pasture, which is mostly rejoicing, since all the ingredients are here, which is to be given a mind and a heart and these body clothes, the mouth with which we give shouts of joy to the moth and the wren, to the sleepy dug-up clam, telling them all over and over how it is that we live forever. How it is that we live forever. And you say, but we don't live forever. But maybe as we begin to understand the unreality on the larger sense of birth and death. What does live forever? How do we understand it by coming to this work of loving the world? Even as she says, are my boots old? Is my coat torn? Am I still no longer young? No longer young and still not half perfect as we age and begin to fall apart. We still have to keep our mind on what matters, which is our work, which is mostly our practice, standing still and learning to be astonished. All the ingredients are here. We have what it takes. We've been given a heart and a mind and a body with which to appreciate our life, to give shouts of joy over and over again, to realize this great matter. The image is just an image on a gate in the bywater of New Orleans after Katrina. But if you'll indulge me just for a moment, personally, how does this play out in one's life? Each of us has our own way, just like Mary Oliver is showing us here, of understanding the great matter of birth and death and how we move together and because I just passed the uh, third month of my father passing, it all began somewhere. Maybe only a few weeks 
he's holding me. And then 67 years later, as he turns 90, I'm not quite holding him up, but kind of, <laughs> as we celebrate his 90th birthday, two years before he would be gone. Of course, we didn't know that at that point. These photographs, some of them hazy, memories that are not quite sharp or clear, but yet he's showing me something and supporting me. And then once again, nearly 70 years later, I have an opportunity to show him something of my world. He's always interested, wanting to learn. His own dreams. He wasn't actually a cowboy, but in his heart he was. He was vibrant in the real thick of things during his life. And ways in which he also supported my dreams with the red AIDS ribbon on his chest at a fundraiser. You can tell the time. Look at the size of that video camera. He and my mother walked in more AIDS-related parades than I ever did. And then as he began to rest into older age, but still involved, enjoying things, until he became more quiet. These photographs are part of the great matter. Until such time in those last few months in rehab when we couldn't see him. This is a photo taken by a nurse because we couldn't go see him because of the coronavirus pandemic. And at some point, he received as much care as he could. And my brave sister went in, got him, brought him home. And the bed that he didn't leave until it was over. So I hope that just walking through this, even though it's a particular story of my life with my father, <clears throat> it's something that uh, I think reflects something larger. that the um, the Han verse uh, reminds us of, and that then informs our questions and informs our uh, practices and hopefully will inform uh, our inquiry today. <clears throat>
Maybe it's a good time for you to raise your hands now if people would like to uh, speak to me. And some of you who haven't raised your hands, please, um, I'm just offering you some encouragement. Uh, but everyone is welcome. <clears throat> I'm going to check in with our um, host here. Because I think they may have dropped. So until they return, I'm going to see if I can't bring... I see John has raised his hand. Let's see if that works. There we go. Can you hear me? I can. I don't see you. Can you see me? No. You cannot see me? No. Yes, no. No, I don't, I don't see you. Uh, I'm not sure what to do. Okay. Let me, uh, let me see what happens. I'm uh, playing with things here a little bit. <clears throat> you still hear me? You need to unmute and hey. there we Am go. I and turn on your um, video. Okay, start my video. There we go. Okay, good. I see myself. <laughs> Sorry. Can you, can you, that's okay. I see you also. Good. Can you see and hear me? Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Great. Okay. Well, back near the beginning of your talk, I really struggle with this uh, notion, you know, don't waste this precious life. Because mm -hmm. Um, I am afraid that I have wasted it so much looking backward. And then uh, from there, uh, how to not waste it. Mm -hmm. uh, my most, I think the time I most feared it was one time I had a dream and somehow it seemed informative. And I woke up and thought, oh my God, I've wasted all this time where I've not been studying my dreams and interpreting them. Well, um, I think this is a common thing for a lot of people, John. As we move through life and we mature, hopefully, and our perspective begins to broaden or deepen, uh, we may feel a sense of regret or having missed something that we didn't notice earlier because we were busy being busy. And um, it almost always comes with a sense of, oh my gosh, I wasted all this time. Mm -hmm. But that's a view, which is important, but it also is based on a, a linear concept of time, which when you come into the present moment fully through practice, time isn't wasted because nothing, everything is here. It's all waiting for you. Maybe experiences you have some regrets you didn't do, maybe some you wish you wouldn't have done. There's all of that. that that's how we come to terms with our life. But in some ways, there's no waste. Oh, good. Our Avamata coordinator is back. Thank you. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> they had an internet problem in, in the background there. So thanks, Jessica. You're back. We can see you now. Hi there. Sorry, I'm having internet trouble. 
Okay. Well, I, I figured out a way to make John a panelist, so it came up. Thank you. Uh, John, I'll tell you a quick story. Thank you, Plank. I was, when I first went to San Francisco Zen Center as a student for the first time, the first time I was a guest student, it happened to be the same time as um, a mountain seed ceremony, which is the kind of ceremony in which a new abbot is installed. It was actually um, an installation for um, Norman Fisher. And, or maybe in Blanche, I can't remember which, one of those um, abbot mountain seeds. And I was in my late 40s at that time, and I had a job that day to clean the foyer in the front part near the Buddha Hall. And as I did it, uh, I was complaining inside about how much time I'd wasted because I was looking around and seeing all these young students who were coming in their 20s and thinking, why didn't I do that? Wasting time, wasting time. And I'm grumbling to myself, essentially caught in the self-centered dream. And there was a knock on the door. And City Center at San Francisco's Zen Center on Page and Laguna is in not a great part of the town. It's a little sketchy. So the door is locked and you have to either a key as a resident or you have to let someone in. A knock on the door. So I went over to the door to see who it was. I opened the door. There was a small Japanese man standing in front of me. It was Hoitsu Suzuki, Suzuki Roshi's son, with his bags next to him. He'd come for the ceremony. I opened the door and he bowed to me. And I stepped back and he brought in his bags and the Buddha hall is right next to it. So he scurried over really quickly without saying too much, smiling, went in, took his shoes off, stepped into the Buddha hall and offered incense at his father's temple's altar, having entered as the first thing. And suddenly in that activity, I was completely blown out of my self-centered dream. And everything I was hoping for was manifest in front of me completely at that moment. And nothing was missing. Nothing was left out. Nothing was hidden. Time wasn't important. It was all right there if I would turn myself toward it fully. And this is our request in practice. So, uh, so that's, that's basically what I can say for now, even though it's a, I know it's a challenge sometimes. Well, that is consistent with the, starting with what Peg Iverson, Peg Cyberson said one day. Uh, on the one hand, don't waste it. On the other hand, she also said then at a different time that where we are results from our conditioning. And so it's kind of inevitable is my word. And so in, in that sense, it's not a waste. We're, we're impermanent, interdependent, messy creatures. It's not going to be perfect. You're not going to look out and say, wow, every single thing um, uh, was done exactly like I would want it in retrospect. <laughs> it may have seemed perfect because of our conditioning as they went forward, but that was it. So. so thanks for your question, John. This is a good one, and I think for a, a number of people. All right. Yeah. And thanks for your recommendation or uh, idea for having the uh, uh, connections after. Oh, good. Uh, because it's uh, offered a new opportunity for people. Mm, all right. Yeah. Looking forward to it. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, looks like. 
Kim, uh, looks like you're going to come in since Jessica's having some troubles. Isn't it nice that we have friends out there backing us up? But you can still raise your hand. Anyone who would like to come on, please raise your hand. What we're experiencing right now is just the fact of impermanence, how things are fragile and can break at any moment. And still appreciating our efforts, our efforts in practice to continue to connect, to, to continue to come forward, to offer ourselves fully. I'm available for anyone who'd like to raise their hand. If not, we'll sit together. Now I see. Thank you. I see Claudine. I think you were up next. I wasn't sure. Bonjour. Hello. Hello, Flynn. When you talk to John, you, you, you said this story about uh, having all in front of you, nothing missing. And I thought tomorrow is my, I turn 75 tomorrow. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. And I thought, well, the gift I, I gave, I give to me is this new path and the possibility of having nothing missing in front of me, maybe. And it was very, a very strong feeling, in fact. Yes, I can see it. It's very touching as you say it, to consider mm -hmm. that possibility, that the greatest gift that you could give yourself is the fact that no gifts have been missed, that it's all this one big gift in front of you. And that a reflection when you talked about uh, the four deaths. Yes. My my mother, she didn't believe in any religion and in not at all in immortality. But she said that for her it was to stay in the souvenir, in the memory of people. And as we had such a bad relationship, I, well, she's not I, I didn't forget her, but mm -hmm. I felt a bit sorry for her because yeah. her memory is not really safe with me. Yeah. <laughs> if you understand what I mean. And now you're turning to what is in front of you. What's yes. true. Yes. And maybe I'm also thinking of maybe one day a memory will be more safe with me because I'm opening certain parts of me. Yes, yes. Good. It's so good to see you and bon anniversaire. Merci, Flynn. See you soon. Thank bye you bye. very much. Bye-bye. And let's see if I can do this properly. Sorry, it's taking me just a moment here. Cassie, I believe you're up next. There okay. she is. <laughs> I'm kind of low in my frame. I can't really quite adjust okay. everything. Gotcha. I'll try to sit up as much as I can. Yeah. Are you your um, mom? 
now I'm at my house, but I'm I've I'm not at the actual computer. Oh, I'm, yeah, you changed. Yeah. I thought with your cameras, it must be you. So. Right. Uh, since I've been doing so many Zoom classes, whenever I cannot sit in front of the computer, uh, I try to set up a mobile device to not be there. Um, I wanted to comment on how incredibly moved and and how powerfully I experienced your slideshow with your dad. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I was a little shaky getting through it, but... <laughs> I'm, I, I don't think I could have. Um, and even in, uh, the, the, the taking of the photos and, and, and like what they mean, like when you're shooting and then what it means, like that language and, and symbolism of, of, of what things mean. Um, and it, the, the question that came up for me was, I feel like that there was, um, like when we're trying to get to the heart of something that there were like four questions that we would ask. And like the second one was, what does it mean? And like the first one was, um, like how would you how would you make that work, or how would you do this? And then the second one was, what does it mean? And then I couldn't remember the others, and then I just sort of got lost in that. But uh, so there's a little bit of a question around what were those four things? But um, wish I remembered. Huh? I remembered. Yeah. Well. <laughs> I'll, I'll find them in my notes somewhere and, and, and share that back. Keep them back to me. Yeah. Um, but also this idea of like the across the veil, you know, um, I recently had this dream with my friend Jimmy right. who had, had passed away. Yeah, you and, that. Uh, so, um, and that dream felt so much like a visit, not a dream of my friend. Yeah. Um, and so that, that idea of, of, of passing and then, and then what really passes and what doesn't pass yeah. is, uh, and, and if, if I have what it takes to look at that, like I have so much attraction towards looking at this. And then I also have the invitation for distraction seems so, so strong too. Right, that's the active laziness thing that the Tibetan guy was talking about, which we all have, you know, we all have that. One of the things to remember, and I know you understand this language, the part of you that wonders if you have it in you to do it, can't. Because it's a small part, a manager trying to do what only your true self can do. It's only by relinquishing the, the trying and the wondering and surrendering to the being and the receiving. It's like once you click the shutter, you, you're not making it happen. You can't. You surrender to it. You let it go. Do I have what it takes to look? The part that's asking the question doesn't have it. And yet that doesn't mean it can't be done. Okay. By, by this one. Okay, so I, I, so that was so big, I got lost in it. Will you tell me all that one more time? I, <laughs> this, is the, this is the big stuff. When we meet these things that are inconceivable and awesome, this small human, they're inconceivable and they're awesome. And we're like, I, I'm, I'm not up for that. I can't, I can't do that. How can I be called to that? 
But the me that I'm pointing to and thinking about is a small me. And that one can't. That's true. But that doesn't mean that this one can't step through into the space. And when that's happened to you, because you don't do it, and I've seen it happen to you, it's actually how we met. You were behind a camera doing something and you fell through the lens into something that you've never stepped back through. That's right. But That's you right. Can personally do it. It's not a personal agency. And yet it can be done. Because you saw something enacted in a ceremony that blew you through the camera into something else. For sure. Yeah. Life has not been the same since then. Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So when when we're in kind of this the shit we're in, this COVID weird thing, and I might fall into despair because I think that the opportunities for interaction have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And they have uh, in some um so that's that that brings up a fear. Yes. Of, you know, what if I don't like ever meet another new person? Like the people that I know are just going to be it. <laughs> That's part of the reality of being a limited human being that we actually do need personal connection. And we do have that fear. That's a real fear of that smaller part and everyday human animal part of us. My mom asked me the other day, you know, now that my dad is gone, my sister lives with her and helps her. But she said, I wonder if I'll ever leave the house again. Yeah. <laughs> But not because she's crippled. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, I can truly rest and trust that when something is occurring, that I will fall through the lens. That possibility is always open to you. Yeah, that possibility is open to me. Yeah. And it's open to you equally as it would be to anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't. I, yeah, I didn't mean like just me, because I, I had some skill setters. Because there's old beliefs about how you how you come to heaven. You know. Oh, <laughs> oh, 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 yeah, that. That. <laughs> just okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Cassie. Thank you for your patience here with everyone. I'm learning how to do this. Um, so we have Trudy up next. It's actually Josh in disguise. Oh, is it? Okay. There you go. <laughs> Your name was there. <laughs> I get two for the price of one today. We've got the cat too. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, um, Firstly, I wanted to say happy birthday to Claudine. Um, yes. And it's, um, it's my 70th birthday on, on Friday. Oh, the same week. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. Happy birthday to you as well. Thank you. I was and watching I a video uh, image last night. Aaron and I were watching a movie that was set in the north of England and into Scotland. And I thought, oh. Oh. <laughs> on the walks. Uh, in the lakes. A yearning to be here and a yearning for us that you should be here. 
Yeah. It looks so familiar, like another home, you know? Yes. Yeah, it's your second home. I wanted to thank you for, for uh, being my teacher um, for over a, a decade now. And the, the journey through, through my 60s to, to here, to the, where, I, where I've arrived. And um, your, your, um, your talk today really touched me and it touched uh, areas of my life that I'm contemplating and thinking about. And uh, it felt uh, just just right as as a as a gift. And I, I was thinking that you know, uh, what would I say about being seventy and a seventieth birthday? And it feels to me that each day is a potentially a birthday, a yes. birth for for uh, actually being being here appreciating being here, appreciating our loved ones. Um, and, and it can happen moment by moment. That's right. Yeah. As we sound behind, it's the reminder that each day is the great matter. Being mm. Mm. And, and when people have said, well, how does it feel? Uh, uh, the birthday seems too small. It feels like um, birth. And, yeah, the great matter is far bigger than a birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I used to um, really kind of um, look forward to my birthday and and maybe stress about it a little. And one and Trudy showed me a, uh, um, a little cartoon saying, "Relaxed, it's just a birthday," <laughs> <laughs> and that really helped. Yeah, really. Somebody sent me a, a beautiful picture of a little Tibetan child. Uh, in a robe, sleeping in a doorway, and, a, and it, the, in, mm. the caption said, um, "Relax, um, nothing is under control." Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I one, of the, oh, one of the questions, really, um, in recent years, is how to be in time, how to actually be in in the time you're in. Mm -hmm. and what it is to immerse yourself in it and i know when i'm not there put your feet on the ground yeah mm. touch something you know mm. just the things that you know to do mm. embody immediacy mm. yeah. thank you yeah. what you said really brought some tears to my eyes when you thanked me for being your teacher for the entirety of your 60s for some reason that bracketing had a different feel to it mm. Mm. I can also say that I was speaking to um, a person yesterday who was a very long time practitioner who spent years in a monastery um, has, and said to me how much she could see the depth that you demonstrate in your talks. And I said, I'm beginning to understand something as I age, that what I leave behind aren't things. It's the carrying forward that my students mm -hmm. and how that I can hardly say how much that means to me. Mm -hmm. So it's the shared. Thank you. Thank so you. Both so. there, sitting there, both of you, because it's, it's mm -hmm. a shared activity, of course. Mm -hmm. Enjoy your birthday. Thank you. Can I? 
Can I take a moment before we go? Every week when you give a talk, it feels like I've often written something that's kind of, I feel like <laughs> there's some I'm, echo. I'm the prompt for your next poem. You are. <laughs> so this is, Josh gave a talk on uh, Alive or Dead as part of the talks on intimacy. And, um, and I'd like to share it. Please. That's our theme. Alive or Dead. Our friend traveled with us, tucked into her coffee tin. We had spades and trowels ready to dig her in, to make her snug in the wider world under her favorite tree, which overlooks the ever-changing sea and sky. What we found are spaces already made by life under the generous tree. Nestling her there, sheltered by a root, we took turns to spoon her back into the earth. Now I like to imagine small grains of her being carried on fur and skin and paws, padding out into ferns and mosses and the swaying harebells. Great tree roots inhaling her and sending cell upwards through the sap until on the tip of some soaring branch and leaf and through the exhalation of the leaf, she flies into the waiting sky, returned, alive or dead. So beautiful as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Let's see here. Um, I know that there are a few folks whose hands are still raised as there often are and we're at our final moment. Um, Thank you for the beautiful questions and uh, thank you for your willingness to um, hang in there um, even with uh, the internet dropping. It's not so different as continuing our life as those around us who are close fall away. Our job is to continue. Our work is loving the world. So with that aspiration, we remember to chant, and caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. Caught in the self-centered dream, only suffering, holding to self-centered thoughts, exactly the dream. Each moment, life as it is, the only teacher, being just this moment, compassion's way. <laughs>